Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a letter from the mailbag. We got a letter from a veterinary technician who has a question to us about our take on something that has been going on in vet med. They're wanting to know if we see the perspective shifting on this issue and how we think uh, and feel about it. And that is how we're talking out in the world broadly on social media um, about ourselves in veterinary medicine. The self-talk that we're using and in particular, the idea that veterinary medicine is filled with broken people. Andy and I are both in agreement. Neither one of us thinks that we're broken. And we both agree that our words, our thought choices, and our actions, they matter. Let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie don't need your pity goss. <laughs> oh, this is just going to be an episode where I am just laughing and I can't stop. How's it going? How's it going, it's Andy? good. It's good. It is good. It is a rainy day here in South Carolina. I uh, I dropped my daughter off at school this morning, and I was driving back home to come and record. And so mm-hmm. I'm driving up the hill, and the sun is behind me. And so it's shining over my car and ahead. And Stephanie Goss, the fall foliage was just, it was like it was on fire. It was just this uh, this Beautiful. gold and yellows and just reds and it was just and the sun was just like shining intensely on it and it was just it was so amazing and it was even more amazing because behind it it's supposed to rain all day today and so behind it the sky is just the darkest navy blue and it oh. looked like uh it looked like some digital photo that had mm-hmm. been altered it just mm-hmm. did not look like nature could look that way and i always i should have parked my car and taken pictures i know they wouldn't have come out and shown what, right. it, what it looked like but yeah I, mean, I was just so struck by how amazingly cool it was and i'm like god there's just things like that are so easy to ignore and i have gotten so much joy and wonder out of just that that you know a hundred yards that i drove and this picture was just incredible and it's like man sometimes sometimes it's a little things Mm -hmm. in life that are just like it's the good things you know what i mean yes i totally do i've been doing this uh exercise i have a a journal i've been keeping next to bed i've actually been keeping this up i I think i told you i started this months ago and i started writing down uh three good things at the end of every day and not Mm -hmm. not as a not great stuff Right. And and I really and I really I do not write the same things down. Like I don't want to be like every day, like my kids are great. Like I'm not no right. no. It's like every day I try to think specifically about what it today and find these good things. And Stephanie, what I have found is the things that I have to sit and you know, first of all, you have to sit and you have to think. At least I do. Right. Be like, right. what was good today? And and like there's days I'm like, I don't think there were three good things today. But then when I dig into it, I'll be like, oh no, no, that was good. That was good. So first of all, it's just a great exercise. Yeah. And then two, you when you look back, you're like, oh, my life is pretty good because I've got, you know, I can look back over the last 30 days and see these three good things. And the other thing that really struck me that was amazing is most of the stuff is not big stuff. It's the thing of like, I saw the most beautiful view when I drove home this morning. Right. Right. And it was awesome. And I'm just like, that is a life well lived. It's not vacations and gourmet meals because that stuff is just is that you know that's that's a highlight reel that's not right. that's not real life but but those types of little things when you say this is beautiful right here and it's just five minutes of me sitting on this bench and watching these kids play at this park uh before the police chase me away no uh, but uh <laughs> just five minutes is anyway. just enjoying just enjoying the world and going you know what that's one of my three good things for the day. And um, I, I say that because I think a lot of us don't stop and think about the good things when they're happening. And I think a lot of us, I think we've been so trained that good things mean like, I got a raise. It's like, buddy, if that is the bar for a good thing, you're going to have right. a couple good things a year. And that's it. That's your life is a couple good things. Yeah. My bar is those fall colors were really beautiful in front of a cloudy, stormy sky. Yeah. And like, 
man, that it's a whole lot easier to have a great day when that's your bar. And so anyway, I, I just I've been thinking a lot about that today. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't love that you've already gone off the rails before. <laughs> I guess this is not off the rails. This is coming back around. This is coming oh, God, back I around. Before we got started today, the first thing uh, Andy said to me, you guys, was just your your job is to make sure I don't go off the rails today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're four minutes like, in, and <laughs> we, we've had a moment already. Like <laughs> Stephanie, don't let me go off the rails. And then uh, like, cut to Stephanie not letting me go off the rails. It's Stephanie running behind me with a flag saying, "Come back." Come, come back like oh god <laughs> okay so i love that i love that you shared uh that story because um i have a question for us to talk about today sure. uh which actually ties very nicely to that um so we got a, a letter in the mailbag from a veterinary technician and uh it is someone who has been a vet tech for three years and they love their job is that I love my job, love my clinic, and I absolutely love this field. But there is this constant conversation in vet med about how this is a field full of broken people, meant for the broken people. Like we care about the pets, we, but we are all broken. And this technician is really, really struggling. They said, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I absolutely want to disagree with this. And, and they're frustrated and probably a little bit angry about this. Uh, they said, I just don't see how, as a field, we are ever going to get respect or the growth that we deserve and need if so many people are speaking outwardly into the world saying, we are we are broken, we are battered, please be nice to us, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, their thought was, look, if my doctor's office posted on their social media and said, everybody's being mean to us, please be nice to us, I would probably look for another doctor's office because I don't know that I would want to go to an office where that was their perspective. That was the lens they were seeing the world through. And so this technician said, my question to you guys is, do you, do you, A, do you see this? Do you see this perspective shifting? Um, or are we just as, as an industry, are we, are we on a sinking ship? Are we broken? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this is a bold question. I think a lot of people are asking this question very quietly these days. Yeah. Um, I think there are risks with giving an honest answer to this question, but I think it is worth doing just that. Yep. And so I am I am more than willing to talk about this um, because I think it's important. I think it's very important. Okay. Uh, we start with a couple of caveats here because if we're going to talk about the perception or or the way we talk about mental health and wellness in our profession, I need to lay down a couple of um, guidelines, sort of explainers, just to let us have a, you know what I mean, to have a good conversation without having to couch every single sentence uh, separately. And so the boilerplate, you know, sort of things I, I want to put down first. Um, we see these posts and we see people using this language uh, because those feelings exist and they are out there. Right. Yep. Um, I, I do think that we have a real problem with wellness and mental health in the vet profession. And I, 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 I think it's real. And I think yes. that we should all know that it's real. And I think denying mental health struggles in our profession is uh, foolish and irrational yes. Um, yes. and not not helpful. So so put that on the table first and say we are seeing this because we are because there is pain in our profession. And, and that is important. And we need to honor that and hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Um I will also say that I do see these posts and I see a lot of these posts and I have seen these posts come from my friends and people that I care a lot about. And so I want you guys to know uh, it, when I see stuff like this, it often comes from people that I very much respect and care about. And these are my friends and they feel this way. And mm -hmm. so uh, do not think that when we talk about it, if, if I sort of say, hey, I have concerns about this because I do have concerns about it. Um, that does not mean that I do not respect the heck out of the people who have feel this way or 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 or. or you know, bring bring these feelings up or communicate these feelings. I do. I I, I know and care deeply about those people. Okay. And so, yeah, that I, I, I see that. I want to say, you know, whenever we start to talk about things like this, um, when we talk about 
the messaging in vet medicine. And that's what this question is about is, you know, I see these things on social media and they're out mm -hmm. to the world. Mm -hmm. I, I want to make the point too, is when we talk about messaging at this level, I'm not talking about individual messaging, right? And so what I mean is when we say, um, uh, you know, when, when we talk about whether or not communication in a certain style is a good, is a good thing or a good way to do it, I am talking about uh, the, our, our profession as a whole and not invalidating any individual's struggle, meaning there are people out there who are in trouble. There are people out there who are having a mental health crisis right now. Don't tell those people to be quiet and, you know, and don't tell those people to, um, to suck it up or to, you know what I mean? Or to, or to choose happy or have a positive outlook. I'm not, I am not invalidating that individual person's uh, struggle. I, we are talking specifically about uh, sort of the broader profession's uh, voice here. And the last thing is, you know, I want to say when we talk about mental health uh, and severity of mental health, uh, it, it's on a it's on a spectrum, right? We talk about everything from I had a hard day to uh, I need I I'm I'm hospitalized because of uh, you know clinical crushing clinical depression and blah blah blah. Um, again. If we're talking about a case, I think some people, when we start talking about mental health, people imagine severe cases of mental health and people who should be hospitalized. I go, I, I, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We right. are talking about the sort of the common voice it, that we're seeing out in social media. Things like, uh, we're broken, you know, have, please be nice to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, I want to put all those things down just because I, I feel like I, I just want to try to cover those basis of uh, this is not meant to invalidate anyone's individual experience and what they're talking about or to address severe cases of mental illness where those people need help. Uh, again, you know, tell those people to choose happy or to pick a different perspective. They need they need they need help because this mm -hmm. is uh, this is a health crisis. Um, yeah. And so anyway, I, I just want to put that on the table at the very beginning and say that's that is not the context in which I'm trying to engage with this question. Absolutely. Um, does that sound Sound reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think our goal uh, in this conversation is to talk more broadly kind of about uh, messaging and um, the field as a whole. And at the same time, recognizing that we are talking about uh, mental health struggles and uh, we want to make sure that individuals who need help get the help that they need. Well, we have um, information in the show notes about uh, the suicide crisis hotline. I think that's really important. I think if you are yep. somebody who needs help, you absolutely, uh, we want to make sure that uh, you get it. And so that is, that is important to us. And so I think that's a little bit of our, um, I, I don't think we're going to dive into that piece of the conversation, but everybody, um, has their own struggle. And so we don't want to ignore something that might be triggering for anybody. So uh, know that going into this, but I agree with you. I think um, both of us feel really strongly that we recognize that there are absolutely challenges that are happening in this field. And I don't think it's a bad question to ask, is it the right way to approach trying to problem solve a problem that is so multifaceted with messaging that feels like it's pa being painted with such a broad brush. That's really when I read that, like that was where my head head went because it because it is there's there are no easy answers. Right. And it is a hard topic. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent. Hey, everybody, I just want to jump in here for one second because I want to talk to you guys um, about someone who has been one of the best gifts that Uncharted has given me. And that is my amazing friend, Jen Galvin. For those of you guys who don't know Jen, she is a practice manager and a practice owner in Arizona. And she is fabulous. We met at the very first Uncharted and I am so, so thankful that the universe brought her my way because she is smart and she is funny as all get out. She makes me belly laugh and snort laugh every time we are together. And she is kind and what I love potentially the most about Jen is how passionate she is about her team and about having a great, happy place to work. And she is bringing that attitude to you. She is going to be teaching a workshop or leading a workshop in December on Sunday, December 12th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific. She is going to be talking about how it's all fun and games, how to play with, engage with, and reward your team. She is going to talk about 
what employee engagement means, but more specifically, what does it mean to you in your practice? The group is going to brainstorm and talk about some simple ways to measure engagement within our practices. And then most importantly, what what the hell do we actually do with this when we do measure it? How do we create something that is actionable and also matters to our individual teams. We're going to brainstorm some ways that we can reward the team so that they feel appreciated in a way that resonates and matters to them. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am super excited to get to be her wingman on this, and I hope that you will come and join us. If you head over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events, you can find the registration page for It's All Fun and Games. I hope to see you guys there. Now back to the podcast. Yeah. So, okay. So, all those, so all those things get them out in the open. Um, the the thing I, I'm concerned about this messaging, right? I I, I so let me just say that I yeah. I am concerned about how vet medicine talks to the public and to itself yes. about mental health and wellness. Okay, yes. and there there I think there's reasons why we are why we see this messaging, right? Um, first of all. I think when we talk about these messaging a lot, we're seeing it largely in social media. I, I think yes. that that's where where we where we mostly see this messaging. The mm-hmm. truth is, social media is driven on an engagement algorithm, right? Social media. We know that social media amplifies the extremes, right? For for good or ill. Mm-hmm. When people make an emotional, passionate statement, it elicits a response from other people. You know why? Because we're caring people who look out for each other and who don't want to see pets or people suffering. And so we jump in and we get support, which means those types of posts on social media, they get a lot of engagement and they get a lot of reach and they get a lot of visibility versus other posts that say, I had a pretty good day at work today. Uh, that's, that's, you're not getting a ton of, of jump in and interaction, which means that that post just doesn't get pushed and it's not going to be nearly as visible as ones of people struggling. And I say, this is, this is a mixed bag, right? Because people who need help, I'm glad they get more visibility. At the same time, we lose a sense of proportionality and reality because all we see are the things that are emotionally engaging to us. Mm-hmm. And it can make it look like this is all day, every day, everywhere. This is the voice of that medicine. And I go, no, I, I don't believe that. And again, that's not discounting the fact that mental wellness is, is something that our profession needs to wrestle with. But I don't think that you look at the posts on social media and think that that is an accurate reflection of the veterinary experience across the country. I think that is a... Um, overrepresentation of extreme challenges that are real that individual people are having but they are getting a lot more exposure than um posts about enjoying a kitten visit yeah and mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that's just the way that social yeah. media is made and yeah. i don't again i don't mean that to be good or bad or critical of anything but i go i think if you look at vet medicine the way it's put forward um you know it says something about society that when you put something forward that says, hey, we're broken, please be patient with us. And you get a ton of sympathy and people is saying, I hope you're okay. And I'm thinking of you like, that's good. You know what I mean? That means that people give a crap. That means that people are, are, are still good in their core. And so it's good that they do that. But it does lead to this overrepresentation uh, of the visibility of those types of posts. And so, so we do see more of them. So what does that matter? Right. So what do I care about that? There's a reason that I that I care about that specifically. And the reason is because the stories that we tell ourselves and the way that we see ourselves, it matters. Like Mm -hmm. it deeply matters in how we live our lives, how we feel about ourselves. Right. We are we are pretty simple animals and our brain is pretty simple and our brain does what you tell it to do. And it doesn't question a lot. If you say this is true, this is true. Your brain believes that it's true mm-hmm. and that affects us. I remember um, my wife at one point in her career uh, had a work friend. I think I don't think she'd mind me telling the story, but she had a work friend and her work friend was funny. Like she was a funny lady. Mm-hmm. The problem was she was also a deeply unhappy person and her humor tended to be cynical and kind of biting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you know, if you know people like that, you know that if you spend a lot of time around those people, you start to say things that are cynical and sort sure. of biting. Yes. And you, and I remember my wife becoming 
less happy at her job. And the way she talked about her job, it changed over time. And finally, I was concerned about it. We talked about it. And ultimately, that's what she sort of said. She's like, you know, I never used to feel this way. And now I'm seeing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it it came from someone that she spent time with that that affected the way that she saw what she did. And she became a less happy person. And then she finally said, I've got to distance myself from this person. And then and, and then and then her her work experience changed significantly. And that was years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was no no time recently. But it did happen. And I've always remembered that of like, this is this is someone I cared about. And I saw the way mm-hmm. that they talked about their job and it changed and it came back. And so yeah. I, I see that a lot. And when we tell ourselves and when other people tell us, oh my gosh, your job is uh, sounds like a nightmare. You are at such great risk <laughs> of of mental. I see it. I I, I see this. Um, I, I first noticed it when I would go to vet schools, and so I'd go to vet schools. And I, I love this is before the pandemic. And I love going to vet schools, right? And the reason I love to go to vet schools is because these these vet students are so passionate mm-hmm. about you know about the future, right? They're in vet school. They're looking forward to being veterinarians. And I would, it didn't matter what I talked about. I would go and I'd talk about working in the exam room or I'd talk about finding your first job or I'd find, talk about, um, I don't know, uh, working with uh, working with financially strapped clients or w- w- right. whatever I would talk to them about. I'd always try to get done and open up the floor for questions. And I'll be like, look, I'll stay here as late as you want and answer as many questions as you want. Like, I, I just, I enjoy it. And, and right. I want to I support those guys. And Stephanie, every time I would take questions, somebody, and it's, I saw the trend coming, right? Like at first it just kind of happened every now and then it's happened more and more. And then finally it happened to every single event was people would raise their hand and they were like, what do you think about the mental health crisis in vet medicine? Or do you have any advice for us going into the mental health crisis? And I was struck. I was like, oh my God, like imagine being a vet student and like this, and you could just see all of their faces, their eyes were wide and like there's every single one of them was concerned. Mm-hmm. And and it bothered me. And, and not because I think that's invalid. Like I get it. And they should be concerned and we should talk about it. But this was clearly um it it almost seemed um it almost seemed like like imminent. You know what I mean? Not like, hey, you need to be careful and you need to look out for this, but like what happens when it comes for us? Right. Like, like what happens? Uh, right. We are we powerless to do anything about this? Right. Is it, is it going to get us? And I and and I, I I got that feeling again and again. And I thought, I they should be aware of mental health challenges. And at the same time, this the idea that like there's nothing you can do, and you're a victim of the mental health meat grinder that is vet medicine. I'm like, that's not a good way for us to feel about our jobs or our yeah. careers and it, and it affects you know it, it it affects how we feel as far as empowerment you know what i mean and like um it affects our our views on personal agency and and things like that and so i really um i, I just i worried about it a lot so anyway i i that that that's really where i started to sort of see these things and i know i'm sort of really monologuing here and so i'm sorry stay with me um he's <laughs> so like welcome to my world audience welcome to my world uh <laughs> You know, I, I think about cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And cognitive behavioral therapy is just something I've been really interested in recently because it, it's a lot of, of how we make decisions. And I think that's really important in us uh, being resilient. It's important in us enjoying our work. It's important in us leading other people. And so cogn- cognitive behavioral therapy basically says that we have a, a feedback mechanism uh, to make decisions in our, in our mind. And so if you believe cognitive behavioral therapy, the way we make decisions is there's a stimulus. There's something that happens to us. And when it happens to us, we immediately search our thought database to go, what do I think about this? What do I think Mm -hmm. about this? And then we pull out all those thoughts. And then when we pull the thoughts out, we have the thoughts and those thoughts trigger our emotions. Mm -hmm. And we say that this makes me very sad or this makes me very angry or this makes me very untrusting or this makes me super excited about what's happening. And then that feeling of, I'm super excited. That drives my behavior. Response. If mm-hmm. I'm super excited, I'm going to I'm gonna get real animated and throw my hands up in the air and I'm going to agree, like, yeah, let's do this. I'm super excited. Let's do it. Can we go ahead and put it on the calendar? And I said, let's go ahead and put it on the calendar. I said that because I'm excited about it, right? Right. And if I'm sad, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't, here, oh, here, we, here we go again, you know, like, and mm-hmm. my, you know, my shoulders are going to slump and, and I'm going to feel kind of crappy. And ultimately that emotion is going to drive what I, what I do. And so that brings me back to this concern about the way that we see each other and we see ourselves. And so when we say 
to pet owners, we're broken. Please have patience with us. And we say it again and again, and we say it to each other. And then we internalize it. And so when a pet owner comes in and he says, how dare you charge this reasonable fee that you charge for your time for you and for a technician who doesn't make as much as they should and for an assistant who also doesn't make as they should uh, and also for your rent and utilities and the front desk. How dare you charge me this very reasonable fee? If I tell myself all day long, I'm broken, please have patience with me then that's the thought that's going to run through my mind when that person says that to me. And then I'm going to have an emotional response correlated to that, which is probably dejection. It's probably shame. It's probably failure. And then I'm going to react based on those emotions of dejection, shame, and failure, which means right. I'm going to apologize to this person or I'm going to try to explain myself or mm -hmm. I'm going to go home and just feel crappy for the day. And that will be the action I take from this. Or second Versus, guess our prices. Or, or second guess the prices. I'm going to I'm going to feel ashamed Which, and then I'm right. going to go and, and I'm going to have thoughts like, you know, what, maybe I should just not charge for this thing that I did. Right. You know, or maybe I should cut the price on this. Right. Versus if I say I am not broken, I am a competent professional who is well trained <laughs> and who is smart and strong and resilient. And I um and I am able to enjoy this job because I set good personal boundaries. Right. Right. And I and I believe that I am worthy of being treated with respect. And I believe strongly that my team is going to be treated with respect. And then when this client says to me, How dare you charge this thing that you mm -hmm. charge for these reasonable services? I'm going to say, Let me walk you. I mean, my first thoughts are going to be, I hear what you're saying. I do not agree with you that these are unreasonable for what you are being charged. And then what are my actions? I am going to put on my professional hat and walk you through the invoice. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about what things cost. And I will help you to understand. And uh, hopefully you'll be happy when you leave. But one way or another, you're going to pay the bill. And then I'm going to go on with my day and feel okay about it. Right. And that, I mean, and some people may think that's an oversimplification. I don't. I really do believe that's a lot. That is a lot of how of how we work again in the larger context, like right, it, like just day to day small decisions. These things add up. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's instances where there's an angry client and I'm going to feel ashamed or angry, or upset. Of course, I yeah. am. But we're we're talking about we're talking about messaging day in and day out. And we're talking about decision making day in and day out. And so the yeah. just the, the phrases that we say to ourselves and that we say to other people they really matter. And so, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Did, did, does that, does that resonate with you at all when I, when I say those things? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that that is, um, that has been part of the challenge. And I, I will be totally transparent with you guys and totally honest. I struggle with this myself, um, during the pandemic. I remember, um, pretty early on, we were like, maybe six months into it. And there was an incident one day at the clinic where I had a client in the parking lot who was um, being really uh, verbally aggressive and completely stepping over um, the line in terms of the way that they were speaking to a member of my team and the word choices that they were using. And um, I had been seeing a lot of posts by my friends about, you know, please be patient with us. Please be patient with us. Please be patient with us. And I understood why they were making those posts. And I really struggled with feeling like it was the right thing for me to do. And, and in that moment, when my team member had come back into the clinic and was, um, had, had been crying and was upset because the client was being racist and it was completely unacceptable behavior. Yeah. That's um, okay. Yeah. And I was really angry and, and I, immediately was like pulling out my raging flaming sword of justice, right? I'm going to fire the client. And I, and I did. Um, but I struggled with how do I, how do I make this a learning opportunity for our clients as a whole? Because this is not the first time something like this has happened. It feels really powerful and potent in the moment. But I should... started thinking about like other incidents where Clients had made people cry, and it hadn't. You should been make as... an example of him. You <laughs> right? should. You should have. You should have filmed you firing that guy, no. TikTok style, and 
<laughs> no, we should. But, okay, so here's where I'm going with this. So my okay. response, my response was, I need our clients to understand that this is not okay, and I and mm-hmm. at the same time, I wanted it to be solution driven because that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. And so I made a social media post on our account and I just said, Hey, look, this is this behavior. And I, and I gave an illustrated behaviors like this are not tolerated in our hospital. We don't tolerate racist language. We don't tolerate abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse of our team. You can't spit at my team. You can't scream at them in the parking lot. I will 100% call the police and ask them to escort you off our property. This is unacceptable behavior. And so I made the post and I I worked on it forever. And I, I had friends read it and I was like, is this okay? Is it not? And then I let it go. And it, we had, we had engagement on it and we had a, all of the, the good clients, right? Like um, my my favorite client who brings in cookies for the team and remembers people's birthdays and like comes in on her day off to say hi to the team because it's their birthday. Like those kind of clients, right? Those are not the clients that need the messaging. And those were the clients that engaged with it. And that frustrated me, but I didn't know what to do with it. Because for me, I was like, I'm trying to put this out in a solution-driven way. And, and then I let it go because I because I didn't, know what to do with it. And it it has stuck with me and it has bothered me ever since. I think to your point, which is it didn't it didn't feel like it was the right messaging. I was proud of myself because I felt like it was more solution driven than mm-hmm. just a post about we had a sh- crappy day and clients were yelling at us, right? Because I mm-hmm. have had seen a lot of that. And I knew that that didn't feel right. But this also for me didn't feel right either. And I struggled with it. And what I realized um, after a lot of time and reflection, and, and there was a conversation that had nothing to do with it in the Uncharted community, but it really resonated with me, which is that for me, it wasn't actionable enough. Like I was asking clients to change and I was trying to educate them and that felt good to me, but it also didn't feel actionable enough. And so I think that's one of the things when I, when I think about messaging to clients like this, I, I come at it from a place of, um, I want it to be solution driven because the difference to me, I, I think the difference between a victim and a survivor is intentional choice. This is just yep. my personal thought from my own personal experiences. Um, I have had some things happen to me that people would listen to my story and say, oh my gosh, you were you were the victim. But for me, I never looked at myself that way. I felt like I was a survivor. And the reason was because I chose to look at the words and change them. And I think that that's that action is the piece that for me has always made a difference. And I think that's what I really struggle with, with this issue within our field is that I feel like there, I'm so, to your point, I'm so glad that we're talking about it. And I feel like we have an incredible opportunity that we could very easily miss the mark on if we don't start to think about how can we, how can we engage with the fact that our words matter and -hmm. our thoughts matter and the way we choose to view ourselves matters, what we put out into the world matters and the action matters more than anything. I I agree with that. I I think, I think my concern when I start to talk about the posts and things like this. And I say, I don't like that we talk about ourselves this way publicly. And these are, these are, these are things that, that give me concern. I, 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 and and then I start to talk about cognitive behavior therapy and the way that we think about ourselves and our position and stuff like that. I, I, I think that the criticism, I think that pops into people's minds of my position, I guess how, how I imagine that I get criticized is probably that I'm implying that all of this is on the individual, meaning, yeah. hey, you veterinary technician, you need to think about this differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. You need to you need to tell yourself a different story. Or the yeah. other one is that um that we just need to take take the situation that we're in. It's like Hell no. no, you just you just need to take <laughs> neither of those things are true. That is not right. what I'm saying. And you're saying right. Like when I look at wellness and I think about the mental health struggle in vet medicine and having resilient teams and healthy teams and enjoying being in practice, 
it is not a one-step process of um, personal boundaries are the silver bullet. You know, like, you know what, if you had personal boundaries and a positive uh, outlook on life, you would, uh, this problem would be solved. I don't right. believe that. I don't think anybody else believes that, right? This is this is a multimodal uh, problem that needs a multimodal solution. Yeah. So things things that I think about, right, when I talk about this is, I, I I am a fan of watching how we talk about these things and just um and, and sort of how we how we present ourselves to the public and and do less apologizing to the public you know and uh, and and less asking for forgiveness and and talking about how how broken we are or, or how or what great sacrifices we we make um, or seeing ourselves as these sacrificial lambs like forget that crap I'm not doing it that's not how I see myself. Yeah, You know, in, instead, the things that we need to talk about are, and it's not on the individual, at the practice level, we need to be working on our practice cultures, yep. right? We need to have a positive, supportive place yes. for people to work. They're not an island. So we've got, we need to come together and we need to support each other and do stuff like uh, the, the things that we support with, um, with, with positive practices, enforce taking breaks. Right. Yep. Take care of people. Set a capacity on on how many cases that we are going to see in a day, or what we're going to do. We need to compensate people. We need to do um do all of the things. You know, leadership from the top. We need to have a purpose that we serve, something greater than ourselves. We need to serve our community. We need to do the things that matter, that give us purpose and meaning, and make us want to work in this place. We need to have organizational boundaries. Saying to the individual person, you need to set personal boundaries when they work in your practice and you set their schedule. That's bullshit. You yeah. know, like you need at the at the practice level, we need to say you people take breaks. Like by law, you're mandated to take a break and we're going to enforce it. And you need to take a break. And right. you need to have a mechanism where you can go home and be unreachable and get like figure out what works for your practice. But mm -hmm. people need to have clear expectations about what it means to be off so that they can be off. They need to be supported when they get off to rest. They need to be not put in places where clients are going to beat them up. They shouldn't be asked to enforce uh, practice or practice protocols. That in that infuriate uh, clients. I've seen uh, I've seen a number of practices doing things like uh, we're super overwhelmed, and so we're going to charge a same day uh, an urgent care fee on top of our regular fee. And like I I get it, I understand it, but let me tell you, you're the people are still going to come, right? They're still coming in, and now they're really mad, and you know, and I I don't know that we've helped our our people. We've put them in this position where people are going to be mad at them. And again, I'm not trying to get into a whole talk on on what these organizational boundaries are but they involve the appointment scheduler you know they involve um ideas clear communication about how we contact people and how and how, what they can expect when they're off and how they rest and things like that well and i i think that that piece of it is the piece that bothered me the most in my own experience because i mm -hmm. i made the post and i was like i felt i felt good in the moment of like we're setting some rules. We are telling clients, this is how we need to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like it was a one and done. And there was yeah. a part of me that felt like I put it out there on social media because it was what I was expected to do. Like mm -hmm. if I really care about my team, then I'll put this out there and tell clients, tell clients off. Right. And, and that was a, expectation or um, a thought that I 100% recognize I put on myself, but it, it was feeling at the time, like that was very much the culture in veterinary medicine. Like that was what social media and veterinary medicine in that moment was. It was all of these posts from clinics about, you know, treat us better, treat us better. And I felt like if I don't do this, am I showing support for my team? You know, and so I so I did it and I didn't have follow up. And that's the part that bothered me is, yes, I fired the one client. And yep. yes, I made my team understand we, we had a debriefing. We talked about it. I said, look, you guys, it's unacceptable. I will 100% yeah. fire this client today. I want yeah. you to feel supported at work. I I don't feel bad for any of that. But what I what did bother me was I didn't I didn't put make it actionable. We didn't create a client uh you know a patient bill of rights. We didn't say yeah. this is how we're going to treat you and this is how we we expect to be treated in return. I didn't I didn't do anything to make it actionable in the long term. And it felt like a one and done, which is the piece that really bothered me on a personal level is like, is this just, a, you know, 
is it kind of still just talk if I'm, you know, if we're not going to do something about it? And so I agree with you. And I think it doesn't just go for taking care of the team, but it is a cultural thing that we need to change in our hospitals. And we are one individual. We are one group of individuals. We are one hospital. And the more of us that say, we recognize that the change starts with us and we have to change it in our own house first before we can change the world, the, the better off I think we as an industry are. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I love the So the, the patient bill of rights comes from human medicine, right? And mm-hmm. so this was sort of an idea that was introduced as, as we're going to, uh, we as healthcare providers are going to give patients a bill of rights. And I really liked the idea that after a while that changed and it wasn't the bill of rights anymore. It was the patient rights and responsibilities. Yes. And I'm like, now we're talking because now we're in yes. a relationship, right? Yep. And I, and I, I want to have a relationship with my clients. I'm not interested in being in an abusive relationship. I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested yeah. in it. And so um, I like client rights and responsibilities that are stated and said, this is how you'll treat us and this is how, and how we'll treat you. And, yeah. you know, and it's not cushy on one side. Like, no, you can expect to be treated a certain way by us. And, you know, and this is this is how we process our cases and we're going to treat you fairly and, and we act with integrity. And but this is what you can expect. But I, I, I think that that I think that that is key. And so, first of all, I I I. I think that you fired the guy, which is exactly what needed to happen. And it's what needed to happen because it's the right thing to do. It's what needed to happen because it's good for your team to know that you're going to go to bat for them and they're not going to be mistreated in a consequence free environment. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and then you then you made a, a public statement about like, this is this is not going to happen. And I don't think any of that is bad. I, I completely no. agree about, you know, the question then becomes, where do we go from here? Right. And I think I think the answer to that are cultural changes. I think yeah. that they are professional boundaries of how we take care of our people, and that needs to change. Um, what we demand from clients and what we accept and what we don't accept. I think it's things like um, it's it's things like a, a appointment schedule regulation, so that our people are not just overwhelmed yeah. day after day after day, running a sprint again and again and again and again, instead of accepting that we're running a marathon and this is how it is now and we need to yeah. adjust to something sustainable. I think um, we need to be honest about wellness resources, right? We, Your business should have an employee assistance program. And if people are struggling, they should have access to resources. There are some companies out there that do counseling services, like they provide yep. better help better or talk help. space mm-hmm. for people. And yep. like that seems to be an affordable thing that some businesses can do for people. Because you and I uh, and other practice, practice owners, we're not therapists. And we're not trying to be therapists, right? But we still should try to get help for those people. You know, I've talked a lot about uh, drug restriction. And I think that that's important as we look at our society and we see deaths of despair and things like that and, and opioid <laughs> abuse. Like, I think that part of keeping our people safe is is keeping them safe from um, from drugs that we have in our practices. And again, yeah. that's that's kind of a me thing, but that's true. And on the same on the same level, like we've talked a, about, a lot about the practices. And good, we should, because the practices do have responsibility here. At the same time, let's be honest, there is personal responsibility here as well. Yeah. Your practice cannot make you happy, right? They cannot yes. make you take advantage of mental health resources. They cannot make you communicate your needs. Like you have to do that. And the truth is they can't make you see yourself in a certain way and they can't make you decide that you uh, feel rewarded in your work. Like all of that stuff comes from you, the individual. And so that brings us back to how we see ourselves. It matters. There's personal agency here, right? You can't be happy if you don't believe that you have some control over your situation, Uh right? And so Uh the stories that we we tell ourselves, they they do matter. Um, Uh You know, I think individuals have to always remember they have options. You can always leave. Yeah. You can always quit and go somewhere else. Um, like at, 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 the, at the end of the day, you always have options and you need to feel like you have options. So there is personal agency and personal responsibility. And then, uh, then there's personal boundaries as well. <clears throat> you know, we as individuals have to reject the idea of perfectionism. I think you and I talked about that in the last Uncharted episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we hold ourselves to these ridiculous standards and uh, no one can take that away from us. We have to do that ourselves, right? Yep. We, have to, we have to separate our job from our identity. If all I can see is that I, my personal value is all tied up in me being a veterinarian and getting five-star Google reviews, I'm putting myself in a bad place here. Right. Um, There's actually a study out of I got right here on my desk. It is the complex relationship between veterinarian mental health and client satisfaction. It's out of uh, it's in the frontiers of veterinary science. 
And basically what it says is uh, when we look at customer service and we look at vet mental health, there's an interesting relationship there. And to mm-hmm. some degree, uh, we get relatively lower mental health scores for veterinarians when we have higher customer satisfaction scores. What does that mean? It means in some cases when vets do everything they can to make the, pe- the pet owner happy, believe it or not, the veterinarian ends up less happy. And like, you know what? That makes some sense. It does. And it, and I, I'm not I'm not saying that we don't take good care of our clients. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that perfectionism has a cost. And a lot of us need to get more serious about like, hey, we're doing a good service in the way that we are willing to do it. And that is sustainable for us and our team. And the pet owner just might not get called on Sunday the way that they want. Um we need to communicate to that to them ahead of time so they're not surprised. But you know what? Uh, there there are limits in what in what we're going to do. So anyway, yeah. learning to say no professionally, right? That's that's you like I have to be able to say I'm not available to do that. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't pick up the extra shift that you want. You know, yeah. being intentional about who I spend my time with. All that all that stuff is is down to me. Um, so it's not entirely organizational. But I think the idea that that vet practices don't have a role to play in getting past this. I think that that's, I, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, I think your point of this is a multimodal problem. The solution is also multimodal, right? And so I think that's the point is that we have personal responsibility and personal accountability for how we show up in this situation and how we choose to respond. And we have responsibility at the practice level, the team level, um, and and upward from there. And I, I think that's one of the things that our writer is uh, what I sense that they are frustrated by and what I have felt frustrated by myself is there's a lot of conversation in our field and in our industry where we are talking about the client's being the source of the problem. And that I think is what bothers me is that the clients are a piece of it. And yes, some days when, when I was faced with the client screaming racist things at my team in the parking lot, the client very much was the source of the problem that day. And they're not the whole problem. And that's where I feel frustrated. I imagine like our writer does at the the solution uh, attempt that is geared solely towards the clients. And that's, that's, I think that's the piece that really bothers me is that it isn't a one size fits all. It's, you know, it's like talking about the mental health crisis in, in veterinary medicine and saying, well, uh, you know, our, our access to controlled drugs is the reason why we have high suicide rates. We know mm. that there is a high correlation there. And we also can say that's not the only reason. There is yeah. a, There are a lot of things that impact that, the student debt burden, the, um, you know, to your point, the cultures within our own practice, the expectation that we're seeing 25 or 30 patients in an eight hour shift, like all of those things impact um, and it is not a one size fits all problem, just like it is not a one size fits all approach. And so I really like that, you know, you spoke to the practice, um, the practices level of responsibility and the cultural level of responsibility, because I think that that's really important, equally the individual responsibility and as individuals and as practices and organizations, we should look higher than ourselves and demand organizational change as well, because it is it is very much a, a multimodal uh, solution, I think, for us to tackle this problem. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it helps me, you know, from an acceptance standpoint uh, to just want to accept that clients are what clients are. Um, I so. I think the reality of clients for us is um, bad behavior uh, towards people in service industries, in any industry, but service industries, which I, I think it, I feel like service industry probably mirrors vet medicine the most, you know, yep. it, from the customer's standpoint. Um, it's bad. Like they treat them badly. I, uh, I, w- I went into the UPS store and I wanted to get stamps and the lady behind the counter says, uh, what kind of stamps do you want? And I said, I'll have the coffee stamps. And she said, we don't have any. 
will you take the American flag stamps? And I said, sure. And she said, thank you for being nice to me. And I said, what? People mean to you because you don't have coffee stamps? And she's like, you have no idea. And I'm like, who are these people? This is all, this is completely bonkers. But, right. but that's the world we live in. And you're like, right. restaurants can't get servers. You know why? Because people treat them bad. Like, right. that's not okay. Yeah. But it's not specifically us. Now, we do have extra stress because people come in and their emotions are really up high, Absolutely. especially when when they're dealing with sick uh, sick pets. And they, yep. the stakes are much higher when their pet's been hit by a car than when they want a, a fish fillet sandwich. You know, like right. those, are, those are different things. Yeah. And so, yeah. so we do, that is real. I... I don't believe that asking people just through social media out in the world to please be patient. I don't know how useful that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I It helps me from a psychological standpoint just to see clients as a force of nature. Like they are going to be what they are going to be. Um, and it's going to, you know, there may be a, like there, there, it's like a flood. I am going to do everything I can to prepare for the flood and to guide right. the flood waters and to put myself on high ground, you know, and to handle this. But at some point, the flood may very well wash through one of the exam rooms. And when it does, mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with it, but I'm not going to ask the flood to be patient with me. I'm going to take care of my people and keep them safe and, uh, and, and try to figure out a better system to handle floodwaters next time. And it's yeah. always going to be a, a case of patching holes because, you know, water finds a way to get in. Like, it's always going to be that, and it's always going to be working. It's always going to be training people on what to do and how to handle these situations. Like, that is the world that we live in. Yeah. I, I um, appreciate our writer asking these questions because I think that they're hard questions. And... The more we talk about them as an industry, one of the things that I think that people could listen to this conversation and say, well, you know, you guys are like, we have been told, well, you're just telling us not to talk about it. That's not what we're saying at all. I think we do need to talk about it. And I think we need to acknowledge that we're all human and we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. And we're going to have trip ups and we're going to have mistakes. I mean... It, we're almost two years into the pandemic now. So I've been sitting on the emotions that I felt about that post for, you know, 12 months. And and so that that is going to happen. We're going to have moments where we feel like we got it right. And we're going to have moments where we feel like we got it wrong. And I think the thing for me is our choice matters. Choosing mm-hmm. choosing to try again, choosing to try differently, choosing to show up for our team, choosing to stand up. It, for me, it's, the, it's remembering that we always have a choice and we can choose to use our words for powerful good. Um, and we can also make choices with our words that don't come out so well and that can be powerfully damaging. And the same goes for our behaviors. And so for, for me, it's really about... I. I, to answer the ultimate question that was asked, which is, you know, is this a lost cause? Is this a sinking ship? I don't think so. I think we absolutely have the ability to stand up and make change. And I think to your point, it starts with us individually and it goes, it it goes outward from, from there. Well, and I think, I think there's, there's some cyclicity to all of this as well. I think, um, you know, I think that that we've had a wellness problem, a mental health problem in vet medicine for a long time, and mm-hmm. our culture has not been good. It's yeah. it's been a suck it up culture, and that's yes. not that's not what we need. And so no. we're 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 having a reckoning, uh, you know, with our our past culture in in the defense of vet medicine, um, the profession that I love. Um, in in defense of it, I would say, you know, it's one thing to say suck it up. When people only have rotary phones, you right. know what I mean, and and yeah. there's no answering machine, you know what I mean, and, and you you go home and like, um, or when you work in a small village where the population size is 400, you know, then then you can maybe suck it up and you know, and right. that's that's fine. It's, but it's different now when people have access to you 24 seven. Like I I think that those changes in the world, I don't think that we've adapted to them very fast, and yeah. and it's because we we really want to help people. We really want yeah. to do a good job. And so again, just being, being kind, but also being honest, like we, 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 we were behind the eight ball from the start and then the pandemic comes 
you know, and we see a surge in, in puppy visits and things like that. And a lot of us sort of get overwhelmed. And, you know, I think a lot of us, if I said, hey, would you rather face the 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 reality that other businesses had where everyone immediately stopped spending money and everything shut down, I think we would probably take the boat that we were in. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that we, you know, we had a pandemic. We had a lot of things happen. We had a lot of stress. Everybody is carrying stress. Our clients, ourselves, on top yep. of our normal workload. It makes sense that you would see more, hear more and more voices saying, "This is really bad," and you know, and I feel really beat up, and I'm really struggling. And uh, you know, we should we need to support those people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think that we have. I think, and I think you have to go through that period, right? I think you have to like think about any time that we've ever gotten in trouble with uh, in our personal lives with stress or anxiety or mental health or 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 just uh, other things in our practice as far as cultural problems. Um, it has to kind of get bad before you go. Oh wait, this is not working, and it's not just a hey, this is a bad day, this is a bad week, this is a bad month, this is a bad year. Uh, it, it's a oh, this is a problem that's going to persist and possibly get worse until we do something about it. Yep. And only when we get to that point do we say, it's time to make some changes. I am optimistic about that medicine. I love that medicine. I yeah. am. I think that we're at this. I think we're at the place where people uh, are, are are ready to crack their knuckles and get to work and say, you know what? we This is a good profession. It's going to be a good profession again. And it's because we're going to take care of ourselves and we're going to take care of our people. And, you know, and, and but we are empowered and we're going yes. to, we're going to make this profession what it needs to be so that people can be healthy and happy here. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have to make some changes. I think we can do it. I, I do too. And I think um, it sounds really cheesy, but um, that is that is what my uh, journey with Uncharted has been for me, is recognizing that the people that I surround myself with make a difference. And so when I, to your point, when you told this, you know, the story about uh, Allison and her work environment, it's true. And the people that we surround ourselves with matter. And so for me, I agree with you. I very much believe that we are in a place where let's let's get to work. Let's let's make this better. And I do think that we can change. And to that, to that end, I have made some conscious choices on a personal level to surround myself um, with people who do believe similar things and who have mm-hmm. uh, the kind of outlook that means that they're asking hard questions and they are um, challenging the status quo. But more than that, they're they're looking hard at themselves. They're being honest, honest about where we are and and brave to say we don't have the answers, but mm-hmm. let's try and work together to figure this out. It's leaning into peer groups. Um, and I have removed myself from a lot of the veterinary groups that I was a part of previously. And I have a very small group of um, people and organizations that I follow now on social media uh, and that with my free time, because I really do believe our our choice in how we um, express that matters tremendously. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I love the most about Uncharted is that it is so real. There, there's, there's so much um, reality in people asking for help because they're being honest and they're sharing and they're saying, I don't know where to start help. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's okay. Because to me, the choice is still being made. And I've, I've just decided that that matters to me on a personal level. And so I've made those intentional choices. But to, to your point, you know, you and I have talked a lot about social media and the implications in our personal lives, but I feel that very much on a professional level as well. And I have made conscious decisions over probably the last 12 months to remove myself from a lot of that. Cause I really do strongly believe in that power of choice when it comes to our words, when it comes to our intentions and our actions. Yeah. No, I I, I completely agree with that. Well, thanks for talking this through with me. I hope it's uh helpful to our to our writer. Um yeah, I I, I hope it's helpful to write. I hope it's helpful to, to other people who listen. Like I said, yeah. um I don't I definitely don't want to invalidate anyone's struggle. Um, you know, and I definitely don't want to deny mental health struggles in vet medicine. They're real. I yeah. I do believe that we, uh, the way that we look at them, the stories that we tell ourselves, they matter. The actions mm-hmm. that we take matter. Uh, I don't believe that we're helpless. I believe that we do work that matters, and and it can uh, and it's good work, and it can be really great work. Um, yeah. I think we as a profession have work to do. I th- I think it's doable. I really do. Agreed. Cool. Take care, everybody.
See everybody. Well, that was it for another episode of the podcast. I hope that having the conversation as openly and as honestly as Andy and I know how is a good starting place. We realize that we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. We might not have this one right, but we both truly believe that the stories we tell ourselves, our words, our actions, how we show up for each other matters, and that we truly can make some of these changes to ourselves and to our industry. We would love to hear from you if you have thoughts, if you agree, disagree, we'd love to know it. You can send us a message always at unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag. We would love to hear from you guys. That's it, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you again soon. 